0: In this wide world of sports, some stories can slip through the cracks. Now, before we do this, let's go over the ground rules. This is the Daily Ticker, where Dirt and Sprague visit the insiders that are covering the stories you've heard about, and some you haven't. How do you do that? Actually, I'm not even mad. It's amazing. The Daily Ticker, with Dirt and Sprague on 1080
2: The Fan. All right, welcome in. Daily Ticker brought to you on The Fan by our uh, our greatness that is 1080 The Fan. I hope your uh, Wednesday morning's going well. Brady Henderson, our good friend of ESPN, covers the Seattle Seahawks. He's joining us. uh, He's on Twitter, at Brady Henderson. He's got a few pieces up right now at ESPN.com, including the Seahawks set for success one year after the Russell Wilson trade. Brady, good morning. Thanks for hopping on with us, man. Uh, Good piece on the Seahawks and where they're at a year later. If I would have told you this is where they were going to be at a year later, what would your initial reaction have been?
3: Uh, I mean, I would have known, I would have agreed that, yeah, just the, the draft capital and, and the cap space, you know, being out from under Wilson's contract, that it, I think everybody could have predicted that that would be, that that would set them up well. I don't, I don't think anybody uh, thought the Broncos would be as bad as they were and that the picks would be as good as they were. And so, and obviously nobody saw the Seahawks being set uh, at quarterback the way they are. I think everybody, myself included, thought that, um, you know, one of their yet yeah, their quarterback of the future would come from you know one of the uh, the two first round picks that they ended up getting from Denver. But little did we know at the time that Geno Smith would be that guy, uh, that he would get a nice deal to be their guy. And so, um, yeah, sort of surprising, but um, you know, it's I guess the, the the bottom line is that you know they are really set up well this year. Obviously, the, the trade helped them out quite a bit last year, but you could argue that it really sets them up even better this year because the picks are better uh, because there's more cap freedom now that they've got no more dead money with Wilson's contract, uh, and now that they've got their quarterback and they can, you know, spend those early picks on, on uh, something else if they so choose. Well, We
2: were talking about Lamar, and, you know, it's just you have a top-ten quarterback, and a team doesn't want to give him what he wants, but he also doesn't have an agent, so we don't, we're not really sure what to make of that situation, how kind of bizarre it is. But Geno got a contract, and, you know, I – I'm not Mr. Intel with with how you think the team feels, but my best guess was this felt like a great deal for both sides. Gino got paid. I mean, he came in on a one-year, $3.5 million deal, and he may lock up $100 million out of this thing. And Seattle, I think, is getting at a reasonable rate. Uh, a quarterback who put up franchise record numbers in his first uh, full year as a starting quarterback. Is that, is that a fair assessment that both sides pretty happy with the deal they, they, they got accomplished?
3: I think it is. Yeah. And, and, you know, we always, whenever there's an NFL contract, there's so many complexities to it. Uh, it's not like, you know, a, a NBA contract or an MLB contract, which are way more, you know, less complex and way more straightforward. So I say all that to say that we really need to see, you know, the full picture of the contract and all of the details to, to really fully assess it. And uh, so far there's only been pro- probably half the details that have come out. We know the length, uh, we now know the base value is 75 million over three years, uh, with the ability to earn uh, 105 million. So 30 million dollars in incentives. Now that is a, that's a huge number. 30 million dollars in incentives. Uh, I know Daniel Jones just got 35 million, but before yesterday, I had never heard of a deal with uh, that much money in incentives. Usually, you're talking a couple million dollars, uh, five million dollars maybe. But so that's a huge number, which means that Gino is you know, he is gambling on himself as Pete Carroll said yesterday, and and he is, you know, in order to max that deal out, uh, he's going to have to play pretty well. We don't know exactly how well, because we don't know, um, you know, what the, what the details of those incentives are, but it's a very heavily incentive laden contract, which, um, you know, that favors the Seahawks always, because that means that the player has to perform to really uh, truly get paid the max value. And so, um, you know, the, the, the total value, the, the max value is $105 million, uh, so $35 million per year. The base value is $25 million per year. I would imagine that some of those incentives are you know, aligned with the kind of season that he had last year. He's not going to just put all $30 million of those incentives in things that he didn't do. Um, so I think that really the contract could function, it's probably going to function like a three-year deal averaging $30 million, because you figure that, at least half of those incentives are going to be well within reach. And so um, that, was the, that was the deal that I predicted, three years, $90 million, $30 million uh, per year. And so I think a three-year deal always made sense for both sides because uh, that gives the Seahawks the ability to get out of that deal after two years if Geno doesn't continue on the same trajectory. And it also, if he does and if he continues to improve, Uh, it gets him back to the negotiating table after two years as opposed to having to wait three years if he were to sign a four-year deal. That's
2: Brady Henderson of ESPN covering the Seahawks. So they get Geno on the deal, but they have pick five, and and they got some first-round situation here where if Anthony Richardson, who impressed people at the Combine, doesn't get taken number one, like Pete Carroll alluded to this at the Combine, that a Geno deal doesn't necessarily take them out of a quarterback conversation do you think that they look elsewhere though, with that pick, assuming there's not a trade if they're sitting there at five, do they address another need, or is there a possibility we see them you know go after a potential franchise quarterback here?
3: Yeah, I think the two most likeliest uh, outcomes with that number five overall pick are uh, them standing them staying there and taking a defensive guy or them trading back uh, a few spots with the team that wants to move up for a quarterback. And then Seattle still taking a defensive guy there. Now, I, I don't think you can entirely rule out the possibility of them uh, taking a quarterback with their first round pick or you know, at least one of their two first round picks. And they've been pretty open about saying that. Now um, you know the, the flip side of that is teams typically don't they don't just broadcast their intentions like that when they're being truthful. And if they really wanted a quarterback, it, it doesn't really do them any favors to let other teams know that they could take a quarterback. Uh, in the first round, because then that that you know gives teams the ability to jump ahead of them. If they think that Seattle's going to take a quarterback, then another team might jump ahead of them to take that guy. And so I I, I think that there is some uh, they they are to some degree being honest that they could take a quarterback there, but I think it would take them really falling in love with the guy. Um, I I think they could take a quarterback if they do. It's it's maybe like more of a second round guy, like a Hendon Hooker type guy. Um, But, you know, I say all that, and, you know, remember what's happened. Remember what happened a few years ago. Uh, In 2017, you know, they fell in love with Patrick Mahomes enough to where I've I've been told, other people have reported this, that if, if they had had a chance to draft him that year, if he had fallen to them in the first round, they would have taken Patrick Mahomes. And then the next year, they fell in love with Josh Allen enough that, you know, they actually called the Cleveland Browns to inquire, uh, as to whether the Browns would be willing to trade Russell Wilson for the number one overall pick that Seattle would have used to take Josh Allen. So the lesson there is that they can fall in love with the guy, and if they do, then, yeah, it wouldn't shock me if they they took him first overall. I just still think that that pick, whether it's picking there or trading back, uh, and even the 20th pick, whether it's there or trading back, I, I think those are most more likely than not to go Uh, on defensive guys just because
2: that's where the big need is. What what do you think about the free agency stuff? I know the draft you said they're going to address the defense and and take some defensive guys. Is there a specific spot that they may be eyeing more for free agency and trying to bring somebody in and, you know, help that defense out? Because offensively they seemed fine. Kenneth Walker was great when he got out there, and obviously we know what they have at wide receiver – uh, what do you think they're going to do with the free agency stuff? Like, and and what area would you say they need to, to address the most this offseason?
3: You know, I, I could see them. sorry, I think they are big needs, regardless of whether or not they they get them in the draft or in free agency. The big needs, as I see them, are just the entire front seven, uh, and then center, and then number three receiver. So, um, you know, if, if you're totally overhauling your front seven, I don't think you can just do that totally in the draft. A because I don't know if there's enough. Early round picks to where you know you're going to have enough early round capital to really, you know, get all your needs done, taken care of there. And you want to be relying that heavily on you know five, four or five rookies up front. And I really think that that that's how many that's how many you know additions they may need to make in their front seven. is four or five guys. Just when you look at the fact that Jordan Brooks is going to be coming off a big injury, Cody Barton, their other starting inside linebacker is hurt. Uh, you need another outside linebacker to start opposite uh, Chetanawosu. Then you've got, you know, um, Brian Lone coming off a big injury. Uh, you don't know what's going to happen with Shelby Harris, whether or not he's going to be a cap casualty guy. So there's a lot of, of bodies that you need there, and I just don't think you could totally take care of all of that in the draft. And so, you know, maybe there's one of these, you know, cap casualty guys um, who are are getting released or will get released that, that could be that other pass rusher. You know, Frank Clark um, sounds like he's going to be released. Uh, Leonard Floyd is another guy with sort of some Seattle ties. Remember he played for Chicago when Clint Hurt was the DC there. Uh, so there's other guys like that. I, I think they're going to be more active in the cap casualty uh, market guys that could be available at a discount than, you know, than spending, you know, making a huge splash on a guy who's coming off of his rookie contract. That's just not their M.O. It, it never really has been under Pete Carroll and John Schneider. And, you know, right now uh, they just don't really have the, the the money to be big players in free agency. I think they had about $24 million in cap space before the Geno deal, and you figure that that's going to cut into about half of that. Uh, and even if they cut Gabe Jackson, which I fully expect them to do, they're, they're only sitting with around $20 million in cap space and, uh, you know, you've still got to allocate about half of that to the draft class. So um, I, I think they're going to have to make more than one cap-cutting move, cost saving move before free agency. And then even then, I still think they're going to be – they're going to stick to their guns and, and try to find more of the, the bargain additions in free agency than the big splashes.
2: All right, great stuff. Brady Henderson on ESPN.com and on Twitter, at Brady Henderson. A check-in with the Hawks who just signed their quarterback – and now they've got a pretty big offseason to build upon in which they just made the playoffs a year after trading Russell Wilson to the day. Uh, He is in Denver now, and so the Seahawks have this big offseason. Brady, thanks for hopping on with us this morning, man. We always appreciate the time, and let's, uh, let's catch up with you near the draft. When we get right at the draft, let's catch back up with you, and maybe we'll have some more information and stuff to talk about at that point.
3: Yeah, you got it. That's going to be a fun draft to talk about and to cover for sure, so that sounds good. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Brady. Have a good day.